0: Hey, this is Eric, and you're listening to the Story Church Podcast. Our podcast features audio from Sunday mornings at Story Church in Peru, Indiana, a community on the mission of connecting people's story to God's story. If you'd like to connect with us further, check out storyperu.com. Our hope is that today's episode helps you take your next step on your faith journey. We are uh, continuing really this uh, kind of historic series or moment that we're kicking off in the life of our church. It's an exciting season, and I'm going to jump right into it today. So if you've been with us, forgive me. I'm going to do a little bit of recap uh, just so that we're all on the same page. I've said this every week. Uh, if you're new here or just kind of checking things out, a little bit of a disclaimer that what we're doing over the course of these uh past two weeks and then the next two weeks. Uh, It it feels a little different than what our typical Sunday morning experience feels like. Uh, Normally we try and organize what we talk about by topics that are really practical and helpful. And I hope there's still some of that in the mix for you today. Uh, But we are kind of doing more of like a family meeting or kind of like an organizational business kind of topic thing today, which does not sound exciting but I promise it's better than that. Uh, Because we're on this journey together to step into the next chapter for our church. So um, if you're new here, I've said this every week, I hope it causes you to lean in, like I hope what you hear today makes you curious and maybe even makes you say the words that are in big letters on the screen behind me that I'm in uh, with this group of Jesus followers and with this church and the, the next chapter they're stepping into together. If you've been around for a while, I hope it does the same for you. I hope it re-energizes you and reminds you of the really big why behind what we do every single week and that you too say, hey, I want to be in for uh, where we're headed next. But the whole season that we're jumping into is wrapped up in those two words, I'm in and if you've ever said those words before or like just functionally uh aligned yourself with a a person or a group of people you know that that's a powerful commitment to make like all the colts fans in the room right the draft was just this past weekend you know like there's hope again maybe right but it's been painful for a few seasons so if you're really like in with your team you got to ride it out through the good and the bad like you know it's a big deal or um like If you ever like a band, maybe they have their first album, you're like, oh my gosh, this is exciting, I really like this band. It's a commitment if you like buy the t-shirt or you go to the tour, right? Because what if their second album's not any good? That happens often. So it's this commitment on a much more serious level. Like, it's a huge commitment when you find a person that you're like, I I want you to be my partner in life and they become your spouse and you're like, functionally saying like, will you? And they say, I'm in, hopefully. Uh, That's a big deal, that shapes the course of your life and really, um, in so many ways, that is the kind of commitment we're asking everybody who's a part of Story Church to make as we step into the next season together, that uh, you would actually look at where we're headed, that you would hear the vision of what we're doing, and that you uh, would say, I'm in. In fact, unashamedly, we're asking everybody next week, uh, it's going to be a big uh, Sunday in the life of our church, as we have our Commitment Sunday for the next two years uh, through this journey that we're calling I'm In, that we would together say, hey, I'm in, and I'm going to be a part of of the future of what i believe god is going to do here so specifically what we've announced uh, is this two-year journey we're calling it i'm in it starts next week and it's going to lead us into our new home as a church and ultimately in the next chapter of ministry here in peru and it's an invitation for all of us to step out of our comfort zone a little bit and, and to actually put some action behind our faith and, and to actually trust god as we're all called to make a sacrifice and be a part of where we're headed next it's an opportunity for every single one of us to get some skin in the game and for you to be a part of the next chapter. And uh, one of the most exciting parts of it, you see it on the screen behind me, uh, is we do have a facility that we're gonna renovate and make into our new home. She doesn't look like much right now. In fact, it needs mowed very badly, but it's gonna be rainy, so buckle in. and navigate the weeds with me for the next week or so Uh, but we're gonna renovate it we're gonna make it into our new home we've got a floor plan we'll show you really quickly Uh, that's what it could look like someday so we'll have a kids wing we'll have a lobby of course restrooms are important and then we'll have an auditorium where we can gather together we'll just scroll through there's some photos Um, This is again what it could look like. A nice lobby where we can hang out in. We'll still have coffee if you're concerned about that. That's like an essential for me on Sunday mornings. We'll have an area where we can connect. Uh, We'll have a nice secure kids wing where we can continue to reach the next generation. And then of course, uh, we'll have gathering space for adults as well. That's gonna be a really similar feel and style to what we do here right now. Just kind of scaled down to fit into the room together. But it's an incredibly exciting thing for us to have our own facility. Uh, It's been funny as I'm thinking about this, like for the story of Story Church, we're doing this a little sooner Than I thought we might, but God just kind of opened the door for it. For some of you, if you've been with us like the first two or three rounds of this church, you're like, finally, right? (laughs) We've been waiting for this moment for like five years. So wherever you're at, uh, it's an exciting thing to be a part of. And there's so much opportunity in us having our own facility. I mean, not just removing uh, the setup and teardown dynamic and not just what our Sunday experience is going to feel like, but really even beyond Sundays. Like we have incredible host families for our student ministry who are so generous to let us uh, use their homes on Sunday nights. But our students will have like a regular, consistent home in our building where they can meet, and that's going to be a huge thing. Uh, Our groups, uh, groups of people, men and women and couples can gather together and use some of our rooms uh, to have their group together and connect with other people uh, along their spiritual journey. So that's going to be a huge thing. We've talked about the potential for new ministries that we can do together, Uh, maybe like a tutoring ministry where we bring some school kids in and we mentor them or we help them figure out uh, just how to thrive in their current season of life and all kinds of stuff that we're looking ahead to. So it's an incredibly exciting season to be a part of and uh, the reality is it's going to take all of us to get there it's going to take all of us uh, locking arms together and being a part of what God is doing next to get there. So that's why we've said through this I'm in initiative, it's a two-year initiative, but our number one goal for it is 100% engagement, 100% engagement from everybody who calls Story Church your church home. We want everybody to do something, and uh, the reality is, don't like don't hear me wrong, we can't all do the same things. Uh, we're all in different places spiritually, and I actually love that about Story. We try and flinging the doors wide open to people who are just exploring Jesus or faith or trying to figure it out, and then people who've been following Jesus for years and everything in between. So we're all at different places spiritually, we're all at different places financially, and uh, you may not like that reality, but it is a reality for all of us. And so we're not asking everyone to give the same amount, but we are asking for an equal sacrifice, for, for all of us who call this church our church home, to get involved and to have some skin in the game. So I'm in, Is a two-year journey, beginning next week on our Commitment Sunday, May 7th, And uh, in fact, last week at the end of the service, we passed out these commitment cards. Uh, And we're not asking you to do anything with these yet, necessarily. Uh, We just passed them out so you could take them home, so you could actually pray over them and invite God into the process to lead you in what your commitment could look like. And then next week, we're going to bring these cards back, and we're actually going to have a moment where we turn them in and we say, hey, I'm in for the next chapter. I'm going to do it with my family, and we're inviting all of you to do the same as well. So it's going to be a really exciting morning. But on the card, you'll see... We're inviting everyone to partner with us uh, financially in three specific ways. So the first thing we're asking people to do is, is to make a one-time gift, as large of a one-time gift as is possible for you in this season. Uh, this could be something from savings, this could be maybe like an investment that you decide you're gonna cash in uh, to be a part of what God's doing here. Maybe you just had a really great year last year, so there's a little extra and you can give from that. But the idea is that on our Commitment Sunday, next Sunday, May 7th, uh, we would all give as large of a one-time gift as we possibly could because the more we receive up- upfront towards our goal, uh, the better we can approach things like banks for financing and all that kind of stuff and the less we ultimately pay in interest and that's always a good thing. So we're asking if possible uh, for a one-time gift on Commitment Sunday next week. The second way that you can partner with us financially is through a recurring gift increase. Uh, There is an amazing group of people who give faithfully week in and week out or some of them give monthly, some give online and they've set up a recurring gift in that way, it's a really easy way to do it. Others write a check every week or every month or whatever it may be and that's a great way to do it too. Uh, but what we're challenging all of us to do, again, me included, is for those of us who give in a recurring way, uh, what if you stretched yourself over the next two years and, and just increased that gift by a little bit? Maybe by a lot if you're capable. But, but what if we challenged ourselves to sacrifice over these two years to see what God can do through all of us? There's actually a chart uh, on the connection card that spells out how a, a slight increase over the course of a m- month to month over the course of two years how big of an impact that can actually make and so uh, you'll see a chart kind of like this if you grab a card but a, a 25 dollar a week gift over the course of two years will to two thousand four hundred dollars so you can see how this adds up and if all of us stretch ourselves a little bit uh, it'll move us well on our way to achieving our goal if you're here today and you haven't gotten in the game of giving um, Please hear me, like, this is not supposed to be a pressure-filled or manipulative feeling kind of thing. We want this to be an opportunity for you to get in the game, but maybe your next step over the next two years is to say, hey, I'm gonna do something, right? I'm gonna gonna step in in some kind of planned, intentional way. But that's the second way uh, we're asking people to partner with us is through a recurring gift increase. And then the final way is kind of the creative way. Uh, We're challenging everyone to think about a a non-cash donation maybe that you can make. All of us probably have stuff that we've collected over the years, whether you're like a, a collector and you've got a baseball card somewhere that like you love and you've loved having it, but if you're honest, it's kind of served its purpose for you and and maybe for you as a part of this journey, you sell that as a sacrifice and, and take the proceeds and, and donate them to our next season together. Uh, I mentioned that I've got like old guitar stuff from when I was in high school that has like sentimental value to me, but really not any use for me. It's just kind of collecting dust in a room. So I think I'm gonna sell some of that stuff and that'll be a part of our contribution, but we're asking you to get creative. Like, is there stuff that you just have laying around that you thought, oh, I should probably sell that, uh, but you've never gotten around to it? Maybe, as a part of this initiative, you do that and you uh, donate the proceeds to where we're headed together. But those are three ways we're asking you to partner with us financially. Again, our number one goal is 100% engagement, for everyone to do something. Our number two goal is the actual number that we're trying to raise together over the course of the next two years. And that goal is $350,000. Every time I throw that out, I'm like, I don't know how that feels to everybody, right? Like, some people's like, oh. some people's like, oh, really? That's it? But in fact, I think my mom was asking me, like, so how how do you feel like it's all going? I'm like, I don't know. We'll find out next week, right? That's the That's the big reveal. But they keep coming back, so that feels okay. <laughs> they haven't, like, ran me out of town yet. But... Uh, to be honest, w- when we came up with this number, what we did is we looked at our regular giving patterns of the, over the course of two years' time, and then we stretched ourselves with a little bit beyond that. Uh, most of the like church experts and generosity initiatives like this would say that a healthy goal is about two times a regular year's offering to try and reach for, and that's effectively what we did as far as the increase above our regular plan two years of generosity. So it is a stretch for us, but I think it's an achievable stretch, and I hope you feel that as well as you consider how you'll be a part of it. As far as what we're planning to do with those resources, uh, number one, the primary thing is it will go to renovating our facility and getting us a church home where we can gather together. But beyond that, over the course of the next two years, we also wanna add staff uh, to our team. Right now, I am our only paid staff, but as our church continues to grow, we wanna have the resources to support uh, those who call this our church home. And specifically, uh, over the next two years, I'm hoping we can add somebody uh, to focus on our group's ministry to help give that some extra energy and focus. And uh, to bring somebody on who can help lead worship on Sundays, because I know you're getting tired of me, right? Every single week. Uh, So that's what we're looking at as far as staffing over the next few years. We want to bless some partner organizations in the community who are doing good work. Uh, We don't believe that we need to create like a Story Church branded version of everything that's happening in town, but that we can actually come alongside partners who are already doing good work and just resource them and bless them to do their thing. And some of you have been amazing. You're sending in like suggestions about organizations you know of. If you know of people that you think we should partner with, send that our way because we're all ears. But we want to bless others in the community and make a difference through some partners And then the final thing that we're gonna do with these resources is we wanna continue to plant churches. Uh, We are a church plant like three times over and every single time that we did it, people came along and they supported us and now it's our turn to give back and to help somebody else uh, start new. And I mentioned last week that there's a planter named Micah Davis who is planting a church called The Sanctuary in his neighborhood in downtown Indianapolis. And uh, as a part of a network that we're in called The New Thing Network, we wanna support Micah, on his launch this fall. And in fact, uh, this summer on July 2nd, Micah is gonna be with us and you'll be able to hear him teach and put like a face with the name and get to know him and what he feels like God has called him to in Indianapolis. So we wanna come alongside leaders that God's calling to do new things because new churches reach new people. I spoke about this a little bit last week. I want to name the elephant in the room that, like, we're a bunch of people in Peru, Indiana, and there might be this natural, like, what does Indianapolis need our money for, right? Like, what are we going to the big city for? I get that. I even feel a little bit of that, except for the fact that, like, there are people everywhere that need reached. There needs to be fresh, healthy expressions of the church everywhere. And Micah is a leader that uh, I know that we can trust. And I hope you see that as well when you get to meet him in a few months. So we're going to come alongside him and we're going to pour fuel on wherever God is moving. And hopefully there'll be tons of small town churches planted in our wake over the course of the years to come. But for now, Mike is here and we're gonna support him as well. All that logistic stuff out of the way, okay? Uh, like Seriously, I hope you'll pray and, and join us next week and be a part of what God's doing here. But beyond the logistics and the nuts and bolts of what we're doing, uh, we're calling this a spiritual journey. And we really do mean it. Like Over the course of the next two years, There are some things that I want us as a church to focus on as it relates to our spiritual health and our spiritual growth and development that will guide us. And uh, really, when you make an I'm in commitment to something or to someone, it it becomes one of the things that shapes your identity, right? Some of you guys wear Colts clothes everywhere because you're like Colts people, and that's great. That's amazing. The person that you spend your life with, right? That shapes your life in so many ways. And, And so as a part of this initiative, we wanna focus on the idea of what it looks like for us to say I'm in with Jesus and actually find our identity in him. And, and so there's four things uh, we're gonna kind of focus on in terms of themes. Last week, we introduced the first, that I'm invited. And by the way, since I'm a real clever pastor, all of these start with the letters I-N, because I'm in, right? So, so I'm invited. And uh, we said last week that no matter where you've been, no matter where you come from, you're invited to be a part of God's family. And, and no matter what your means are, or no matter what you feel like you have to give, you're invited to contribute and to be a part of it. Uh, we talked about uh, the woman who broke into this religious gathering that was happening and she wasn't invited, she wasn't supposed to be there, but she found Jesus in this gathering of religious leaders and and she poured out perfume, which was the most valuable thing that she had. And she poured it on his feet and, and gave this incredible offering. The religious leaders looked at her and they judged her and they scowled and they felt like she shouldn't be there, but Jesus welcomed her and he invited her to give what she had. Uh, We also looked at the story of Jesus feeding 5,000-plus people with one little boy's lunch. And again, we said that there's a powerful thing when we offer to Jesus what little we have, that he can take it and he can multiply it. So we're all invited to be a part of what God is doing, and you're invited to be a part of this season as well. This week, we're going to look at two more ideas. So I've got some ground to cover, okay? But we're going to talk about the idea uh, that I'm influential that every single one of us has influence. And in fact, Jesus looks at his followers and he says, hey, you're actually called to be the light of the world, that that you have the light of the world living and moving and breathing in and through you. And so we're called to go into dark places and use our influence for people's good and for God's glory. So we're gonna talk about that. Uh, We're gonna talk about the dynamic that we are invaluable to God's work, that God actually gifts us and wants us to use those gifts in play in the life of the church. And again, ultimately to benefit the communities that we're called to. And then next week on Commitment Sunday, we're going to look at a fourth idea that we can all be invested in the work of God. And I'll say this that beyond maybe caring for your immediate family, I think there's no more significant investment you can make than investing in the life of a local church because nothing will outlive you and outlast you and outinfluence you like a healthy church as it continues to make an impact for generations to come, and that's certainly what we're hoping to do here. So that's kind of the themes we're going to be looking at over the course of the next two years. And I think all of these themes, these things related to our identity, they can be easy for us to understand on the surface. Like, it's easy to be like, okay, I'm invited. Like, I get that. It's kind of, it's crazy, but I I can understand that. And I, I guess I do have some influence and maybe something that I can offer along the way. I think they're easy for us to understand, but they can be really difficult for us to genuinely believe about ourselves. So today we're focusing on the idea that we are all invaluable to the work of God, and that we are all influential. And I'm going to start with invaluable. And it's kind of a tricky word, okay? We forced it a little bit to get the I-N thing going. But uh, it sounds a little bit like invalid, which feels like a bad thing. But when we say that you are invaluable, that doesn't mean that you have no value. In fact, it means quite the opposite. It means that you are uniquely valuable to God, that each one of us is uniquely valuable to God. In fact, Jesus one time famously told this story. He often taught in stories, or we call them parables. He told this story one time about a shepherd who had a 100 sheep out in his field, but one sheep wandered away. And what Jesus said is that this shepherd cared so much for that one lost sheep that he left the 99 other sheep to go and find the one, and it's uh, this picture of God's love for us, that God cares about each of us individually. We are so valuable to him that he would even leave the 99 just to go find the one who was lost. But for us today, like most of us don't raise sheep Okay, like we're, there's kind of some distance for us between like the whole agricultural world. We don't really want to know how the chicken nugget is made uh, and all that stuff. But but in the culture, like it would have made a lot of sense to them. So for us, I was thinking about what maybe a similar metaphor or similar picture would be. And it took me back to YMCA soccer because I have to give you my weekly update, right? So uh, if you haven't been with us, I'm coaching my daughter's four and five-year-old soccer team uh, at the Y. And we had another game yesterday. And I was thinking about it because there are these seven kids who are like in my charge, they're in my care. They're my little sheep, right? If you wanna think of it that way. And uh, we were playing this game and there's one moment uh, where I realized I had six kids. Like the one left the other, like I was, wait, where did he go? And thankfully his mom was also missing so I didn't like fully panic. If mom was on the sidelines, I would feel very responsible. But like imagine if one of my little guys had wandered off and I'm just standing out there and I'm like, it's fine, there's six others. Right? That would be totally unacceptable. Mom would feel differently on the sidelines. I'm like, it's fine. Like, look, we play four-on-four anyway. Like, there's two extras already. Uh, That's not okay, right? And do you know why? It's because children are valuable. Because we understand, like, uh, certainly to the mom, but to me as a coach and to hopefully all of us, like, as a society, these kids are valuable. So it's not like this little thing if one of them happens to wander off. That's the exact point that Jesus is trying to make about each of us, that we are God's kids. And that he looks at us and he says we're inherently valuable. You may not know this, but this is one of the most profound ideas that Christianity actually introduced into the world. It's hard to see it now because unfortunately a lot of churches and a lot of Christians don't act like it's true for everyone always. But this idea that everyone is made in the image of God was a radical departure to how the ancient world functioned. Like kids in the ancient world, they were viewed almost like possessions and almost like disposable possessions. In the Roman world, when the church was just getting its beginnings, Romans would just basically leave kids out to fend for themselves and hopefully make it if they didn't value them enough, if they didn't think they needed them in their family. It was the Christians who stepped in and started orphanages, started taking care of these orphaned kids because they believed that the image of God was in every child. Uh, for women, it's the same story. I mean, the ancient world was so oppressive to women, they were functionally viewed as property, and they had basically no rights, but it was the church that named women as leaders, that gave them a role, that that let them basically fund Jesus' ministry and step up and lead it. I mean, it's extraordinary when you look at the list of women throughout Christian history who have stepped up and who have led. And it was the church who said, no, no, every woman has dignity because she's made in the image of God. In the ancient world, there was the whole master and slave dynamic. And I know, like if you know American history, even in this country, scripture unfortunately was twisted and abused and used uh, to justify terrible acts like slavery. But at the beginning, It was the Christians who looked at master and slave and said you both have value in the eyes of God. It was this extraordinary, extraordinary thing. And so the point is that you're valuable to God just because you're you. You're valuable to God because you were made in his image and you were uniquely created by him. But it goes beyond that too. Because you're valuable to God also because you were created with a purpose. You were created with gifts and abilities and things that you're called to use to make a difference in the life of God's church and as God's church. And I think the reason that maybe this message or this idea can be so difficult for us to wrap our heads around is because when you look at the way that we do modern church, it kind of screams the opposite, right? Like the big lights that make me all sweaty, they're on me right now. And the microphone that lets you hear my voice, that's on my face right now. And, and it can be so easy to walk into an environment like this and to go like, oh, okay, look, there's the, the musicians on stage and, and there's the guy with the microphone. And like, they must be the really rock star, talented, spiritual people. And, and so then we think my role is to like sit in the seats and take it in, right? And like, like hopefully get a little nugget of truth that makes me feel better about my week. And if I get enough of it, I'll come back next week and I'll try and do it again. And, and we can fall into this way of thinking. And, and if we do that for too long... What we can tend to do is we look around and we think, well, I'm not talented like that. Right? I'm not I'm not gifted and I'm not wired like that. I'm not spiritual enough or smart enough to make a difference. Like I don't have the Bible memorized like that. I don't even know if I can spell Bible. And like like maybe maybe you feel that way with this whole financial commitment that we're calling everybody to step into. Maybe you see 350000 dollars and you're like, uh-uh, I can't do that. Right? I'm I'm not the one. Maybe somebody here can do that and I hope they do it. Like I'd like the building, but but like I don't have a part to plan that it can be so easy to disqualify ourselves. When we look at everybody else and we see how incredible they are and we hear them pray and we're like, wow, I bet God liked that prayer, right? Like he heard that one. I don't know if he hears me, but, but that was a good one. And we get so insecure and what can happen over time is we can believe the dangerous lie that if we weren't here, it wouldn't matter that much, right? We can believe the dangerous lie in the life of a church that we're expendable, that our engagement and our attendance doesn't really make that big of a difference. And that idea, if you've ever wrestled with it, that maybe you're not that needed around here, or not that known, that idea screams in the face of something that the Apostle Paul said to the early church in Corinth about how the church is supposed to function. This letter we're gonna look at, it was written to believers in Corinth, and I've talked about the Corinthian church. They were crazy. Uh, they were such a mess. Paul wrote two letters to him, okay, because the first time didn't work, I guess. I don't know. He, he's like reminder guys, number two. But uh, the thing about the Corinthian church, if you're here and you've ever struggled with this insecurity I'm talking about, this notion that, that maybe you don't have a contribution to make or maybe you're not all that valuable in the life of the church, you would get along with the Corinthians because a lot of them, they weren't born of noble birth. They weren't like the religious elite who were following Jesus in this moment. Many of them were slaves. Many of them were not very educated people. They were not born with a silver spoon in their mouths. And so uh, they may have felt insecure and wondered the same question. Like, how can I make a difference as a part of this movement? Well, Paul writes a letter to this ragtag group of early Jesus followers, and he uses this metaphor to describe what the church is supposed to look like. He says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body, and so it is with the body of Christ. Right? We're going to get a little preschool for a second. Right? He's, he's like, the body has lots of different parts. There's heads and shoulders and knees and toes and eyes and ears and all that stuff, right? Like he goes through the list, the human body has these many, many, many different parts but together it's your body, right? And it's my body, like those are my ears, not your ears. And, and so all these different parts come together to form one thing and this phenomenon happens uh, where like many parts come together to make something greater than there's sum. Uh, This happens all over the place, so we're gonna play a little game together to see uh, if you've experienced this phenomenon. So if you're like dozing off on me, it's like interactive time, okay? You can talk back on this one. Um, This is an animal game, okay? I'm curious, do you know what a group of elephants is called when there's elephants all together? Anybody? A herd, nice, way to go. You guys get bonus points. Sarah said it in the first service, but she sat through the run through, so she's got like the answer sheet. Yeah, a herd, so that's what a group of elephants is. What about a group of lions? Pride, Pride, like pride rock, right? It's perfect. Uh, We'll get a little harder. What's a group of cheetahs? Not cheetos, that's snacks. Okay, like what, what's a group of cheetahs called? I love this one. A group of cheetahs is called a coalition. Don't you picture them like sitting around a board table in suits, like the coalition of cheetahs? Uh, a group of donkeys. Yeah, careful with this one. Don't say that one. It's called a pace. Isn't that interesting? I don't, they're kind of slow and pokey. I don't know. A group of crows? murder, right? And don't you feel that? If you had a group of crows coming towards you, I think it would feel like murder's on the horizon. um, I love this one too. A group of vultures. Anybody? It's called a committee, which is my favorite. Uh, I was a part of the United Methodist Church and we loved committees. And so that one's got a little edge to me. But anyway, we're not going there. My point in playing our little game is that these like individual animals come together and they form something new as a group, right? They take on a new identity when they're together. And we're familiar with the animals, we know cheetahs, but you maybe didn't know about a coalition. Here's the point for what Paul is getting at. What do you call a person who surrendered their life to Jesus? A Christian, right, or a a disciple, or a follower of Jesus. What do you call a group of people who have surrendered their life to Jesus, who gather together? It's the church. It's the body of Christ, as Paul spells it out. And, And here's the point I hope you get today. Again, it's easy to hear, it's hard to believe, but you are an invaluable member of the body of Christ. You have a part to play. You, you have a function and a role. You're an invaluable member. And what I hope you'll understand and embrace as we go on today is this. It's that every part of the body matters. It's that every single part, every single contribution matters in the life of a local church. And it's almost like Paul knew that some of us would hear this message and we'd be like, Okay, yeah, but, right? like, yeah, okay, get it. Okay, I'm a part of it, but I'm not that big of a part of it, right? or I'm not that big of a deal, or I can't contribute like like they contribute. And that's why Paul goes on, and he says this. He says, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. And if the foot says I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that doesn't make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less A part of the body—it kind of seems obvious. Like, no, of course, it's still a part of the body. He goes on; it's kind of a goofy illustration. He says, "If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear?" Or, "If your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything?" Paul goes on, and he basically contrasts these different parts of the body. And I think he does it really intentionally because, like, he starts out talking about ears and eyes, and ears and eyes are not like equally attractive in our world, are they? Like, Like, the ear. It's mostly full of wax, and then as you get older, hair, right? Like, like, the ear is not this, like, really interesting thing that we want to check out, but the eyes, I mean, for many of us, eyes are the first thing we connect with with a person when we meet them, right? We look into their eyes, and sometimes they're described even as the windows to our soul, that you see somebody, and you can connect with them through their eyes. Uh, no one who's fallen in love has ever stared lovingly into the ear. Okay, if they have, you should dump them, because that's not okay. Uh, we don't have ear-to-ear conversations, Right, We have eye-to-eye. Th- that's powerful when you have eye-to-eye conversations. We don't have ear-to-ear conversations. You never saw the movie for your ears only. Right? Uh, beauty is not in the ear of the holder. That's gross. Uh, we don't have bedroom ears. Okay, We'll stop there. But you're getting my point. Like These things are not created equal. And it would be easy to go, I'm not that important if you think you're an ear. Right? I'm not that important. But, but Paul's saying, no, 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 no. How else could we hear? We, we need it. This function matters. Every part of the body matters. And if you're here today, and if you've ever struggled with this idea that you think I don't have a contribution to make or I don't matter as much as those people with the big lights and the microphone or whatever, like, if you've struggled with that, you've got to hear what Paul says next because Paul goes on and he says, in fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. All of you together are Christ's body, And each of you is a part of it. And by the way, this is true of our physical bodies as well. Uh, Do you know, I learned some stuff this week. Do you know uh, which finger on your hand is the most valuable? Like all of them, right? But like if I ask like what's the strongest one, what would you think? Maybe your thumb. Some of you use the middle finger a little too much. We'll talk about that in a different series. (laughs) It's your pinky. Your pinky, that little guy, is responsible for 50% of your hand strength. Comes from your little body right there. Isn't that crazy? We would have never thought that. It's gonna get a little grosser for a second, okay? But this is like remarkably gross. Uh, So there's a part of the body called the uvula. It's like the little dangly thing in your throat. You'd see it on cartoons sometimes or if you ever had a sore throat and you go, ah, that's what you see back there. Uh, So that little guy, (laughs) this is gross. But over the course of your lifetime, that thing is gonna produce enough saliva to fill two swimming pools. It's really sick, isn't it? But it's also really impressive. Like that's amazing that this little organ that like we hide, we don't even talk about can do that. We'll take it a little farther. <laughs> armpit hair. Right? N- nobody wants to be the armpit hair of the body of Christ. I get that. But but like <laughs> armpit hair serves a function. It like biologically is what helps us uh, send out scent that makes us like attracted to one another. Some of us use deodorant to overcome the scent as well, but my point is this, there's all these little parts of our physical bodies, some of which we see, some of which we don't see, some of which we don't want to be seen, right? But all of them are valuable, and sometimes is the least visible things that make the most difference. The same thing is true in the body of Christ. Like like if it's just me on stage with a microphone and lights, that's playing church, okay? It's real awkward if I'm doing that here on like Tuesday and you're not here. Trust me, I could do it if I wanted to. Like, We don't, because church isn't just what happens in this building. This is a launching point for all of us to be the church, and sometimes it is the least visible roles that make the biggest difference in the life of the church. So just because it's not visible doesn't mean it's not important, and that's significant as we head into this journey together over the next few years. Uh, You may or may not know this, but did you know that giving and generosity is actually included in the list of spiritual gifts? We don't think of it in that way often. Sometimes we think of it just as like an obligation or a thing that we're supposed to do or a thing that we get manipulated into doing sometimes, but it's actually a gift that God gives some of us the ability to be above and beyond, over-the-top generous. And maybe for you this season, it'll be an invisible role that you play in the body when you make a contribution and you create a legacy that will impact people that you may never meet. I mean, that's the power of the body when it's working right. And here's what I hope you get, and then we'll move on, because remember, I've got a second topic. Here's what I hope you get. It's that this giving, it's really not about your ability. Eyes and ears and nose, they do different things, right? It's not about your ability, it's about your availability. It's are you willing to show up and to offer what you have, to bring your contribution to play in the body? Because again, I want you to see today that you are invaluable in the body of Christ. And we're going to keep talking about that over the next few years together. But shifting gears uh, to the second idea I wanna look at really quickly here is the idea that we are all influential as well. And I'll give you the punchline about this one early, okay? You, you may have even heard me say something like this before, but we'll phrase it this way for our purpose today. It's that you have no idea how one conversation or one word of encouragement or one expression of love might actually change someone's life. And I think this idea of influence or being influential has unfortunately been hijacked in our world today by social media, because we've probably all heard about influencers, right? If you're like over 30, you probably look at it and laugh at it and like, what, that's not a career, that's not real life, right? If you're under 30, you're probably like, I wanna be that, right? but, but anyway, if you don't know what an influencer is, it's somebody who leverages their influence on social media uh, to basically make a living. And one of my favorite phenomenon surrounding uh, influencers is what's become known as the influencer husband. This is kind of a, a photo that's an example, uh, except he has a real camera, and that normally doesn't happen, but uh, basically influencers, they'll be on Instagram a lot, especially like they're posting uh, photos of themselves to try and make everybody click so then they can sell stuff. Uh, but there's the influencer husband is the guy who just follows the influencer around and is like doing the photo shoot. I was down uh, in Orlando in March for a conference, and when you're in Orlando, you gotta swing by the house of the mouse. So I went to Disney Springs for dinner, and I remember I was walking down there, of course it's crowded and all that, uh, but I, I saw this dynamic happening. There was, I assume, someone who thinks they're an influencer uh, standing against the wall by Orange Bird. There's, like, this big mural down there. And uh, she was standing there, and she was just, like, posing, doing her things. And her husband or boyfriend or whoever was standing there, like, with his phone. And I saw it, and I'm like, that is so lame, right? Like, don't do that to Orange Bird. He didn't ask for it. But but it's this phenomenon that's happening. And here's a definition of, of what an influencer is, at least culturally in this moment, an influencer is viewed as an individual who has the power to affect the purchase decision of others because of their authority, knowledge, or relationship with their audience. It centrates a career path where people trade influence for money, where, where they can gather a following and so then companies can latch on and they can sell to that following. But here's what I wanna do, just with the little time we have left. For our purposes and where we're going, that's not what I'm talking about when I talk about influence. A- and I want Jesus for a moment to redeem this idea of being an influencer for us because in maybe one of his most influential teachings that he ever did called the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gathered people together. It it was called the Sermon on the Mount because they're on this hillside and this huge crowd started to gather. And Jesus basically starts describing his vision for what the kingdom of God looks like here on earth. You've heard this before, if you've ever heard the the blessed are the fill in the blank statements that Jesus makes. So he goes on and he he paints this picture of what it looks like when God gets God's way in the world. And then he makes this statement. He turns to the crowd. He says, You are the salt of the earth. He goes on and he says, You're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. And neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. So in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This is one of my favorite statements Jesus made because it's so clear and so actionable. Right? He he says, listen, if you're following me, you've got the light of the world in you. And guys, isn't it true that our world seems darker than ever? And if that's true, doesn't it mean the light should shine brighter than ever if it's there? Like Jesus says you've got the light, but he doesn't say let that light shine before others so that you can build a following, so that you can have influence. No, no, no. He says let them see your good deeds, that they might praise your Father in heaven, that they might see the light that's in you, and something about the light that's in you would point them to their heavenly Father. Here's the point today. There's a lot we can say about this and a lot we will over the next few years, but the point for today is this. It's that influence, it's not about a platform. Influence is about people, right? Some people would look at this again. I've got a microphone. I've got lights. People here, like what an influential role, and it certainly is. I take that seriously, but the real influence that happens in the kingdom of God happens life on life. It happens person to person, And, and again, there's a lot that I could cover, and we will in the days ahead. In fact, this idea to me is so important about who I want us to become over the next two years and who I feel like God is leading us to be, uh, that our next series uh, for the next four weeks after our Commitment Sunday is going to focus on this very idea of how we can leverage our influence. But if I could sum up what I want our focus on our influence to be all about over the next few years, in one word, it would be this word, hospitality. And I'm not talking about like the best Western and continental breakfast, okay, not that kind of hospitality, Uh, but actually like New Testament others-focused, inviting people into your life, hospitality. And and to be honest with you, uh, I've heard this uh, concept talked about at that conference in Orlando, and ever since then, it's been kind of ringing my bell and rattling my cage about whether or not it's that big of a part of my faith experience and whether or not it's really that big of a part of our church yet. But it's something that God calls us to. Here's how I would define hospitality for us. It's simply setting the stage for us to encounter Jesus. Like, like hospitality, as I'm describing it, it's not some kind of a bait-and-switch thing where it's like, have a meal and invite all your non-Christian friends and then present them the gospel tract. Like, that was a thing people did, and I'm not knocking on it if it was effective, but I don't think that that's really what New Testament hospitality is all about. It's really just about setting the table for life-on-life connection to happen because that's how people see your good deeds. They see that light in you and maybe connect the dots that points them to their Father in heaven. And again, there's a lot that we can say about this, but did you know, Hospitality is another one of those things that's counted as a spiritual gift, that some people are actually gifted with the ability to make others feel welcome and at ease and comfortable to talk and feel like they belong. Did you also know that hospitality is listed as a requirement for leadership in the church? We gloss over this one all the time, but Paul, who planted all these churches, had uh, this apprentice named Timothy, this guy who was learning the ropes from him, and he wrote a couple of letters to Timothy and in First Timothy, here's what he spells out. These are the requirements of a leader or an elder or an overseer in the church. He says, therefore, an overseer or leader must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable. There it is. Hospitable and able to teach. And I don't know what your church experience is like or how much you've been paying attention to what's even happening culturally, but I think we've all probably heard about pastors being let go because they weren't sober-minded, right? Maybe they, they were making bad decisions or, or there's substance abuse or something like that. I mean, we've all heard of pastors who, who have ruined their reputation. They didn't have self-control and it's caused churches to go sideways. We've probably even heard of churches that let go of pastors because they weren't really able to teach. Right? Like, like we, we apply this. I have never heard of a pastor being let go from his church because he wasn't hospitable. But it's there. L- like, it's in the list as a requirement. Again, it's kind of unsettling me because I'm like... I don't know how good I am at that. Some of us are introverted, right? We're like, "Uh, I don't wanna. (laughs) And and I get that, again. But man, when I think about the moment that we're in, when I think about who God wants us to be as a church, I think it is radical, countercultural hospitality that might be the very thing he's longing for his people to do here. And I had a moment that reminded me of it in a really small way. Uh, My neighbor, it was just yesterday, uh, my neighbor, they, the house just sold, and, and a woman bought it, and then her dad is helping her fix it up. It's uh, her 94, I believe, year old dad is out there. So as we've been out in the backyard doing our stuff, like he's always out there, and we've kind of struck up this quick little friendship. He reminds me of my grandpa in a lot of ways, because he is like the hardest working guy, and he's always pulling my leg. Like it, It's been a lot of fun um, just kind of getting to know him across the fence. And so yesterday, he was out uh, working on some concrete stuff, and I was mowing my yard before the rain got there. And uh, again, he just, kind of walked over to me. I had headphones in. I pulled them out. And he's like, hey, I'm closing up because it's about to rain. And said so he's going off to chop firewood because that's what 94-year-olds do in their free time. <laughs> and he saw my fire pit. He's like, hey, if you, you ever want any firewood, let me know. I'd love to give you some. So it was like this wholesome little neighborly interaction, right, between the millennial and this older generation. It was it, it was cool. We're standing there, like, hey, thank you so much. Like, we're good for now, but I'll, I'll let you know. And off he went on his way. And he went to turn. And for some reason, I noticed uh, he was wearing a hat and the hat said NRA across the top of it. And I was wearing a hat too, because it's hot outside, right? And my hat said Walt Disney Studios (laughs) on the top of it. And for some reason, it stood out to me in that moment. Because have you paid attention to the news recently? Like the NRA, people have some opinions, don't they? (laughs) And it's not that difficult to draw a political affiliation to one side as it relates to the NRA versus the other. Have you paid attention to the news recently? Because the Walt Disney Corporation, uh, people have some opinions about Walt Disney right now, right? And and it's not that difficult to draw a line between the Walt Disney Corporation and a certain political affiliation. Listen, I like the mouse, okay? I just wear, it was just a hat. It wasn't a statement for me. (laughs) But I'm standing there and I'm like, it struck me. Because we just had this very normal, very human, like kind of wholesome interaction between the two of us. But that's not what our culture does right now, is it? Like How many of us, functionally in the way that we act, are wearing our NRA hat or our Disney hat or our Democrat hat or Republican hat or whatever, and we're just letting that get in the way? How many of us have put on our tribe or our hat or our group of people and we lose our influence because of it, right? I I just, it stood out to me because here's a person, a person who's valuable to God, just like I'm valuable to God, just like you're valuable to God, just like every person you've ever locked eyes with Is valuable to God. And how many times do we choose our tribe over that? How many times do we choose our opinion over that? And this stuff has crept into the people of God. And I don't know if I'm just tired of it and got to talk about it or if God's leading us to be different. I think both, probably. But we're going to talk about this a lot over the course of the next two years because I want us to be people who are known for our radical, countercultural Hospitality. We've got to stop seeing people through the lens of our tribes and start viewing one another as God's kids, period. That's who we're going to be here at Story Church over the next few years because you have no idea how one conversation, one word of encouragement, one act of love might radically alter somebody's life. I was going to go a little harder at this too, but we'll save that for the next series, okay? But, But here's my point. Some of us, our priorities are all out of whack. And we are losing the influence we're supposed to have as the light of the world because we're so busy affiliating with lesser things. And I'm not here to tell you who to vote for or what media to watch or whatever. You, you can let your conscience be your guide through that one. That was a little Jiminy Cricken of me, I apologize. But, but you, can, you can figure that out with wisdom, of course with counsel, right? But I am here to make sure that you don't miss out on ultimate things for lesser things, right? And you, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're called to be the light of the world. And we shouldn't do everything in our power to keep that light shining the brightest in our lives. So here's the point. We're going to talk about these things a lot more over the course of the next two years, but the point is that you're invaluable to the body of Christ. You have a role to play, and if you're here and you're not engaged yet in the life of this church, maybe it's time over the course of the next two years, maybe it's time for you to get in the game, and you can take that step. I mean, again, like filling out a commitment card counts. Generosity, giving, that counts as being a part of it, but maybe for you it's joining a team or or connecting in a group. I don't know what that looks like, but we're here to help you do it. But my point is over these next few years, we've all gotta find our part to play because you are needed and you should be known in this community. And, And all of us have influence. You are the light of the world and it is time to start leveraging that influence for things that matter and to stop the petty fighting and division and distraction that snuck into even the body of Christ right? We've got to do better for the sake of a watching world and for the sake of the next generation. So for where we're going, you're invaluable. You're invited. You're influential. And we'll wrap up with this. We have these commitment cards, okay? And I'm going to ask you to do anything with it again today, but if you didn't get one of these last week, grab one on your way out today, and uh, don't, like, do your homework in class next week, Okay, don't show up and be like, oh, no, I'm to fill it out. I mean, you can. So I'd rather you do that than do nothing. But what I'd really love for you to do is take this with you, and over the next seven days, go on a genuine spiritual journey. Ask God, and, and with your spouse or with your family, ask, God, how do you want to use me to be a part of this I'm in vision? And then next week, prioritize being here. Okay, Sunday, May 7th, it's going to be awesome. Uh, We're going to have a moment where all of us come together and we literally walk forward and we make our commitments and we say, hey, I'm in for what God's going to do in this next chapter here at Story Church. And I would love for you to be a part of it. Let me pray for you as we wrap up. God, this stuff, it seems so simple, it seems so obvious, but it is so difficult for us sometimes to get right. And uh, God, I just want to thank you for what we talked about last week, that you invite us, even when we're getting it all wrong, that you invite us to still contribute and still be a part of it. Uh, That it doesn't require us having our lives together to be influential for you, but that you use the most messed up, ordinary people that there are. But God, I pray for us over these next two years as we kick off this journey together, that at the end of it, we might look back and we would say, oh my gosh, look at the people who discovered their giftedness, the people who got in the game, the people who found their purpose in the midst of the work of the local church. And God, may we look at this groundswell of influence. May people look at Story Church over the next two years and not care about our theology or our politics or whatever it may be, but may they look at us and may they say, that's the light of the world. Look at it shining and look at the good God who must be behind it. God, for those of us who are struggling with this, tear down the distractions. Help us focus on you and be the people you call us to be. And God, I pray for each of us over this next week as we take our commitment cards, as we prayerfully ask you to lead us, give us boldness, give us courage, give us an all-in spirit as we commit to together step into your future for us over these next two years. We love you, we trust you, we're expectant of what we're gonna do. And we pray all of that in the name of Jesus, amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in or near the Peru, Indiana area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend gatherings. To find directions, service times, and information about our environments for kids, visit us at storyperu.com.